Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. Wednesday, October 5th, 10 a.m.-ish. Uh, uh, you're, looking, you're looking refreshed. Uh, you're looking vibrant. Thank you, sir. Um, are you uh, are you consumed with the midterms, or are you? Uh, so I, I I know you you don't like to feel that politics defines your life. Are you feeling good because of non political reasons? Yeah, no, it shouldn't. Politics should not define your life, even if you work in politics. Um, it shouldn't define your life. Actually, I wrote a piece about that recently. I'm trying to think of 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 what it was about specifically, but I make I make the point that like, oh, I know what it was about. It, it was it was based on you saw this Italian, the incoming Italian prime minister, the speech that she gave in like 2019 that went viral. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but I uh, I wrote a column for the Daily Beast where I went through all the things that she talks about because I saw parallels between what she was saying and what is driving kind of right-wing populism and nationalism here at home in America. And one of the points I made is that, you know, obviously the reason that the message that she is is sending is resonating, not just in Italy, but just broadly here in America too, is that clearly people feel like they have like modern liberalism doesn't give them me that they're, 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 they don't have any meaning or purpose and they're, they're, they need traditions. And I think they used to find it in Christianity, but as we become a more secular course culture, they're not. And so ironically, as Christianity is fading away um, in some quarters, politics is becoming these people are looking to government and to politics for purpose and meaning. And to the degree that I've missed this moment and that I've not been on top of this phenomenon, it's because I'm out of touch because I, I have meeting and purpose. You know, I get it from my church. I have a wife and kids. I have a job that allows me to express some degree of, of, you know, autonomy and also purpose. And so um, I don't think that you should be getting it from that. And I'm happy. I'm very happy right now. I'm not sure why. But politics is does not control uh, determine my attitude, and it shouldn't for anybody. And I think it does for many, many people. Maybe it's just autumn. You're some, you're an autumn guy. Well, I think you know there's something about the change of seasons, Bill. That that is that forces us to. I mean, I think sometimes it, it gives me a bit of um uh, of actually a somber feeling sometimes and an introspection. But other times, I think the change shakes things up, and mm-hmm. and right now I'm just in one of those good moods, and I got a, moods, and I got to admit I'm drinking lots of coffee this morning. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the dopamine is uh, is up right now. But um, politics, and the other thing too is, um, if you do like, if you like sports, you know, right now is a great time to follow sports. We got you know Aaron Judge hit, hitting that 60 second home run. Mm-hmm. You've got football, the NFL season. You know, I don't really root for a team anymore, but I do root for Tom Brady. Now he's lost his last couple of games, but that's all right. He's still the goat. Uh, it's a good time for sports. It, it, still, we can get outside and and, and, and and now's a great time to go hiking if you live around where I live. A lot of good hiking season. And if you like politics, well, it's 
it's, you know, politics is always with us, but right now we're in campaign season. So there's always an energy and an excitement around campaign season. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, things are good, Bill. How about with you? How are you doing? Well, I, you know, I haven't dwelled on this, uh, but you know, I turned 50 la- last week. You're looking good, man. You're looking young. You're looking, you know, 50 is the new 30. Yeah. Bill. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I don't, I can't say when I look at my face, I feel like I'm looking young, but I, I appreciate that. Uh, I did take a shower today, which is always, you know, put, puts, uh, it makes me a little less, uh, disheveled. Um, but uh, I mean, I had I had a good birthday. I had a good. I I did something unusual for the fiftieth. You know, you know, you know. Normally, we I do all a la carte birthday. Yeah. Uh, no no party. Uh, do a bunch of things that I want to do. People can join or not join uh, as they wish. Yeah. Or the you'll you'll say like I'll be bowling at ten oh five at this location. Right. Right. Then I'm going to go get donuts at this location. Then that I'm going to have normal. beer and feel free to join me or not. I'll be there. That, that is what I normally do. Uh, I thought I should do something a little different for the 50th. So uh, I had a night of duets. Uh, I rented out an event space at a grand piano. Uh, I invited friends to sing with me, and we had a little, a little mini concert. Um, Did you do any Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn? You know, uh, I, I, I actually had planned two Conway Loretta songs. Uh, I lost one of my singers to COVID, mm. so I only so I, I was not able to do Louisiana Woman, Mississippi Man, but I did do You're the Reason Our Kids Are Ugly. Um, <laughs> no, I, I bring this up, of course, because Loretta Lynn is a legend. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we are both fans of Cocaine and Rhinestones. If you haven't heard the Loretta Lynn installment of Cocaine and Rhinestones, now is a great time uh, to do that because that was a that was a bang up episode. Did you? I assume you had to do Islands in the Stream, the Dolly Parton. You know, I had a friend who wanted to do Islands in the Stream, uh, and uh, I had I had a pretty I was pretty top heavy on country duets, uh, and so I said to her, "You know, let's let's not do Islands in the Stream. Let's do Taylor Swift's Me instead because we had I had I had nothing really current on the playlist, so I dropped I dropped Islands in the Stream." That's not a uh, duet, though. Mean is not a duet. Me, me, me oh, is. I think you said mean. No, no, not okay. me with uh, the guy from Panic at the Disco. Okay, okay, okay. You'll never have another. You know, I promise that you'll never have a lover like me. Um, I, I think, think she has a country. Singer. I think she has a country esque song called Mean. Yes. She okay. Does. Um, uh, we did. You don't bring me flowers. Uh, we did. Um. Anything you can do, I can do better. We did Mama's Don't Your Baby's Court to Be Cowboys. Oh, Will, Willie and Waylon. That's a yeah. that's a great yeah. song. What about I, um, I Know It's Late? I Know You're Weary. No, we did not. We did not do. We did not do that. That's uh, Bob, Bob Seger. But there's a great, I would highly recommend. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. There's a Sheena Easton, Kenny Rogers duet. Mm. Kenny Rogers was a stud, man. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I thought he was like a million years old. But you look at him; that's a good-looking guy. Well, he's he he's he's stretched that skin out as of late. Well, I mean, I'm talking. This is probably from like the 1970s. This yeah. duet, maybe 80s, but uh, he just was swashbuckling. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep going. What what other what other duets? Uh, we did "Girl Is Mine." The girl is mine. Uh, and, um, the paradise by the dashboard light. 
Oh, meatloaf, right? Yeah. 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 That is uh, right. Now, are these people, I know you have a history of, of, of performing, uh, you know, satirical music. Uh, were these other people, were they really good singers or, or how did that go? I, uh, I, had a, I had a few people who were, you know, really exceptional and a few people were just, you know, friends, just, just like the karaoke, just like that fun. Uh, so uh, it was a good mix all around. Is there video of this that we not, could document? Not, not posted anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just have to say, uh, for those who don't remember, we've talked about this before, but Bill, uh, in his earlier years, uh, you, you did a song. It was a parody of the Cranberry song, Zombie. Which I which I did actually do uh, for, the, for the show. But it's about Fonzie, right? Yes. Arthur Fonzarelli. Yes, yes. that so is arguably my finest work is Fonzie. Fonzie, Fonzie. So as I, as I told the story at the, at the party, you know, I had... Um, I was living in D.C. in the mid '90s, and I was actually playing some some venues in in D.C. You know, like I I had, you know, I, had, I had a group of friends and like friends of friends that would come out to show. So I, I could pull like you know twenty twenty five people at a show. That's good. Um, and I don't think it's around anymore. I used to play Chief Ike's Mambo Room. Uh, I did the open mic said Madam's Oregon. Madam's Oregon might still be around. Um, but uh, back to Club Heaven and Hell, as I recall. Is that right? I think so. Um, and I was visiting, uh, who, uh, who is uh, now my spouse, in, in San Francisco, and I kind of wanted to see, like, you know, how how would I fare in like a more artistic city? Uh, and so we went to an open mic night there at the Hotel Utah. I think, I think Hotel Utah still around, uh, and they had a very well attended open mic night, and the and this it wasn't a huge place, but it actually had a balcony, and there was kind of like a peanut gallery in the balcony. Uh, and, uh, for whatever reason, some guy early on, and I, I was like late in the list, I was like 18th, some guy who was like, you know, third or fourth takes a $5 bill. And this is 1997. So $5 was worth a lot more back in the day. It was like $5,000 today. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and, um, he tacked it to the curtain and he said, if anybody plays a song more ridiculous than this one, they can take that $5. And he played some song about like a penguin dance, which made no sense. And, uh, went back to a seat. And then a whole bunch of people performed. Like nobody acknowledged the ch the challenge for the rest of the night. There's no, there no competition for it. But uh, I get up there and I said, after I play this song, if there is one person in this room that thinks I do not deserve that $5, then I will not take that $5. And I proceeded to play Fonzie and the place exploded. Someone in the balcony said, you could take that $5 and here's another and threw $5 nice. onto the stage. And so that's when I knew that song parties were my true calling. And that explains, uh, you know, where I am today. Love it. I wish I could have been there back in those days. That would have been super fun. <laughs> you weren't. You were not in D.C. in the mid '90s, correct? No, I used to play the open mic night at the Mecklenburg Inn, the Mech, in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, every Tuesday night. You got a free drink 
if you performed. And I would do uh, Barry Maguire's Eve of Destruction. I did uh, The Tennessee Stud by Doc Watson. I did uh, I Will Survive, not the Gloria Gaynor version, but the cake version. Uh, I did Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. Very easy song to sing, right in my yeah. range. And just anybody could probably sing that one and do well. So I had I had five or six songs that were like right in my... But I have to say, I never made a lot of money uh, at the open mic night. But one time, uh, I did do I Will Survive, and it was a huge hit. Apparently, there I'm guessing, I never found out the story, but there must have been a lot of... I'm guessing a woman must have gotten divorced or broken up and brought all of her friends out. Cause I remember when I said, I will survive. <laughs> it was a huge hit. Um, but what I was missing, I think I needed to, I would have loved to have done some, some, I should have, I should have gotten into the comedy part of this. Cause I think there was a lot of potential. I left, you know, kind of left on the table there. <laughs> well, we, we, we finally hit the road, man. We'll bring, we'll, we'll add some vaudeville to the act. And uh, that, we that should. Will, uh... think of it. If we could show up at a, you know, we go into a room and, you know, we're going to do a, a political discussion in a minute. But first, we we do our little song, you know, horse and pony show or whatever. So, you know, right. we, we do some tunes. I think that would be a big hit. So <laughs> stay tuned for that, folks. Hit up, hit us up at Patreon.com, Matt Lewis, or Patreon.com, Bill Share, uh, and make it happen. Bring us out to your town. Well, we've uh, we've stalled long enough, Matt. It's been a great show, Bill. Uh, <laughs> nothing more to talk about. Thank you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at DMZ Show. Uh, have a good week, Bill. Uh, I have to ask you about Herschel Walker. Uh, very good football player for <laughs> Georgia and the Dallas Cowboys. Did the, did the New Jersey Generals ever uh, make it to the championships of the USFL? Oh, I I know nothing about Canadian or no, US, this is USFL. USFL. That's this the one was, that Donald Trump. That's right. Ruined. That's right. That's Donald Trump's know. league. Then Herschel Walker was the big get. He went to the USFL, not the NFL, coming out of college. That's and right. uh, somehow <laughs> that business partnership uh, did not uh, did not make it. Well, I just saw they, today. That must be where I saw. There was a picture of a of a young Donald Trump and a young Herschel Walker together. Maybe that was from that era. I, oh, I would imagine it was. Um, Trying to see, do they ever have a championship? Don't know. Um, anyway, uh, I, I the Daily Beast, the Daily Beast reporting. By the way, let's let's give some props there. They've been all over the Herschel Walker beat. I believe it was the Beast that first reported the illegitimate children, which right. Herschel Walker has since acknowledged, and it, actually, it's come out to be more than I think even we initially knew. And now the latest Daily Beast uh, really bombshell report about him, uh, you know, allegedly paying for abortions. I mean, we have to say allegedly, but there is, you know, documentation that certainly leads one to conclude uh, that that's what happened. So now you so you have a comment, the Beast, about this. I would say the vast majority of Republicans and conservatives are. Sticking by Walker, saying that's not true. Stand by your man. It's true, um, but you you appear to be off the Herschel Walker train. 
Well, I was, right, never on, I was never on the Herschel Walker train in fairness, but. Well, if you were living in Georgia. Yeah. And your choice was Walker and Warnock, I'd assume you'd vote for Walker, right? Not today. No. Right, but, but before this, you might not like Walker a lot, but you'd say, hey, he's he's pro-life. He's conservative. He's going to vote for the judges I like. You know, it's a binary choice. He hasn't done anything, you know, so awful that I can't, you know, punch the R. Wouldn't you have been there Possibly. before this? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's possible. I wouldn't have voted for Warnock. I could tell you that. Um, would I have voted for Walker? I, I, I can't say. I know today I certainly wouldn't have, but really I shouldn't have the whole time um, because this is really not a surprise. And this is someone else who allegedly put a gun to his ex-wife's head, allegedly threatened to kill her. I've already mentioned all the illegitimate children. He doesn't really have any experience in politics either or, or public service that I know of. And he's someone who obviously has some struggles when it comes to, you know, concussions and other issues like that. I just I don't know that he's really someone that why would the Republican Party elevate him to be a nominee for the U.S. Senate? It seems absurd. And, Bill, I have to say this. You remember how Donald Trump has said, like, I could stand on Fifth Avenue and, you know, shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that you could be a Republican candidate who paid for an abortion and still win and still be the nominee is honestly just as absurd as shooting someone on Fifth Avenue and still uh, maintaining their support. I mean, like, for those who are not longtime fans of the show, while Matt Lewis, you are independent thinker, you never voted for Donald Trump. Um, you certainly put uh, maintaining American democracy above and beyond, you know, most things. Uh, but your commitment to opposing abortion is pretty rock solid. Consistent, you, you, I would you, say. You, How long have we been doing this show, Bill? Uh, I mean, I, I don't have my my, my list of dates uh, in front of me, but we're over we're over ten years. We're over uh, a dozen years. Like, you, know, you voted for Biden in the Democratic primary on the premise of he'd be better than everyone else, and we should try to keep the keep the American ship on the rails. But you couldn't bring yourself to vote Biden in the general because you just can't vote for somebody who's pro-choice is going to appoint pro-choice judges. That's how seriously yeah you take the issue. So is it a I mean, is this the Last Charlotte Herschel Walker, I cannot vote for somebody who paid for an abortion and at least won't own up to it or say that he regrets it or whatever. Like that, does that make you complicit as someone who is that deep a believer in opposing abortion? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it 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 exposes the hypocrisy in the pro life movement, in the conservative movement. And in the Republican Party, Amanda Carpenter over at the Bulwark had uh, a really smart line, which I kind of revised and paraphrased to be um, to be something like this. The Republican Party is against abortion, except in cases when it threatens the political life of the father. <laughs> that's, that's basically what the message is. Um, really, there is no longer. I mean, Bill, I'm putting this I remember what it was like to be in a party where I looked at the other party and said, okay, the Democrats are not only the party that supports things like abortion, but they're the party of people like Bill Clinton and Ted Kennedy. 
And we're better than that. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. Mm-hmm. And today, that is who we are. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're saying, hold my beer. We're going <laughs> to take it to the new level. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no... There, if, if you are a conservative today who says, you know, character counts or character matters or, or family values matter, or, you know, if you want to criticize Ted Kennedy, you know, or Bill Clinton, you're really full of it. If you support Donald Trump and Herschel Walker, I mean, these two individuals live lives that are completely indicative of what a sort of bacchanalian progressive left-wing fantasy would be. I mean the life that D- Donald Trump the the uh casino magnate who, you know, allegedly had sex with a porn star like months after his wife gave birth to their child. Bill, I'm no angel. <laughs> I'm not an angel. I've done bad stuff. <laughs> You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace and, you know, I'm not perfect, but haven't done that one, have not done that. Also have not paid for an abortion. Um, And look, I'm not saying that having done that should send you to Gitmo, but I don't think the Republican Party should also be elevating you to be like one of the top leaders in the country if you've done that. Now, I believe the the. Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, who is very, very right wing, uh, I believe, arguably anti-Semitic to boot, like a real, real whack job. Um, uh, I believe he has admitted to, uh, I, I think his, I think his current wife having an abortion uh, many years ago. Uh, but he said, but he, but he has, he, he has admitted it. I think he sort of said he was wrong that he did it. Uh, is that different? Is that different? I think it say, is hey, different. I did it in my past. Yeah. Uh, I feel terrible about it. Uh, I, I think was wrong. It, no, I, I think that is different. Now, again, we can we can have a we can have a discussion of whether you know that is enough. But I th- I definitely think it's different. And by the way, it reminds me of what Christian Walker, who is Herschel Walker's son, who is a conservative influencer. You know, he gave this speech where he's like. I can't do the impersonation, but it was like four. I, do. I, would, I would say don't do the impersonation. Four <laughs> times. And he's like going like, you know, he's very animated with the hands, but whatever. Yeah. I won't do the impersonation. Well, I just did. But <laughs> but Christian Walker, while calling out the hypocrisy of family values people, said something to the he, he said in one of his videos, he said that Herschel or the dad dad said he was going to get out in front of this and that he was going to admit to this mm-hmm. and frame it. Mm-hmm. And he never did that. And so I do think it's different if you, um, particularly if you, if you bring it out before you decide to run for office, or if you bring it out right at, at the beginning of the campaign and you say, you know, let me just be honest about this. We've all made mistakes. That's certainly true. And and um, but it but this is this is not uh, this is not that. Um, I have two other questions for you. I guess one 
one is the obvious question that everyone bats around. Does it matter? Does it matter politically? Oh, it may not. It very well may not matter politically. But, you know, so again, my my column uh, and, and my my commentary on this doesn't factor in yet. I, I've not really weighed in much on whether this will matter politically, but it matters. It matters morally. It matters. Well, uh, let's drill down morally in a little bit. But does Uh, it matter? Does it matter politically? I, I, I would say maybe, maybe on the margins it's, but it is not the bombshell you would think. I mean, Bill, there was a time when like, if you'd had an affair, Who's the guy, Livingston, who replaced, uh, he tried to replace Newt Gingrich to become the Speaker of the House. And he had like had an affair with a woman who was married 30 years earlier. You know what I mean? And it, no, he ended up making a ton of money as a lobbyist, but it it ended his political career. And like, there was a time, like, if you were a Republican and you, and there was evidence that you paid for an abortion, it would have been game over. I mean, the Republican Party would have tried to be intervening, getting you off the ballot. Um, we don't want to win this way. I think, you, honestly, the vetting would have actually happened and Herschel Walker would not have even been the nominee in a normal, sane, decent Republican Party. But in this era that we live in, in which um, we live in a polarized world where right now a lot of the voters are going to vote for Herschel no matter what, or they're going to vote for Warnock no matter what. And there's not a ton of undecided swing voters left to fight over. And in a world where, you know, again, um, we're not shocked by things anymore. You know, uh, we don't have well, high, we don't have high standards. We elected Donald Trump, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a reality TV host who we knew a lot about Donald Trump's past background. And we still said, give us Barabbas. OK, so. This is a commentary on the Republican Party and our course and culture to say, I do not think this is a deal. This is not something he cannot overcome. Well, I don't think it's a deal breaker for Republican base voters. I think they're going to they're going to pull the level for the R, you know, no matter what. But the last four polls in Georgia, this is running from mid to late September, you have Warnock plus two, Warnock plus two, Warnock plus four, and one tie. You know, this has been a lean, you know, a slight lean to Warnock race most of the way. Uh, and there may be a diminishing number of swing voters in Georgia, but if there's any state that has swing voters, it is Georgia. We know Georgia swings. Uh, so uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know who else swings? But I'm bump. <laughs> or swing, as in to swing. Uh, but, 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 needs, enough about, but enough walk. about Newt. We're, we're not talking about him. <laughs> There's something in the water in Georgia. I don't know. But uh, uh, Walker needs some swing voters. And he, he, he wasn't already getting them. This does not help him get them. Okay, but presumably... Uh, he's running out of time but to find a way that he can get them. Okay, I, I grant you this doesn't help get swing voters, but... You know, presumably the people that this would hurt are Christian conservatives. This would be a wedge issue that would peel off Christian conservative voters. You're saying that's not going to happen, probably. Why but should the, we? But but the suburban, the white college educated suburban Romney Biden voter. Okay, I, I think that might well matter with them. 
I mean, maybe I mean, I there's just, enough Matt Lewis's in suburban Atlanta, but I, I, I don't know. But I mean, look, we live in a world, Bill. And again, you're making a valid point about Georgia being unique and it's a close race and, and, and all those are points well taken. But, you know, Donald Trump had the act. Access Hollywood video come out where he was talking about, you know, I moved on her like a bitch, you know, when she was, she was married and I still tried to F her. And, uh, you know, they you, you got to kiss him and grab him by the blankety blank. I mean, Donald Trump said all those things and went on to win the election. OK, I mean, we live well, in a world where that is not a disqualifier. And part of the reason is not this is not some big surprise, but you know, to, to, to restate the obvious, part of the reason is that a lot of people have concluded that um, in the real world, everybody does this stuff. Everybody's bad. We're all cynical. So really, this is a war. Politics is a war. And we are up against the left. And the left, you know, wants to make us do trans drag story hour shows or something like, I don't know. and and so. You know, I'm not going to second guess, you know, it's like SEAL Team 6. I need them to go in and do a a pretty gruesome, nasty job. And like, they don't necessarily need to be the most moral person to do that job. And so Herschel Walker is a soldier. He's going into battle for us. It's a war and uh, the left is evil and therefore the ends justify the means. And he doesn't have to be an, I'm not hiring a preacher. Uh, I'm hiring a warrior. Look, this is this is. For, I mean, I think it's all true as far as like hardcore Republican base voters are concerned. This is in the Washington Post today. Okay, a Georgia Republican official, Republican official from suburban Atlanta, who spoke in the condition of anonymity, be more candid, said Monday's revelations amplified concerns among her friends that Walker's ascent to the Senate would mean a half dozen years of drama that would reflect badly on and even embarrass the state. "Quote for a lot of my friends is." I don't want to be embarrassed. I want good temperament. Is this someone I want to go to the game with? Someone I want to be around my child? I think they're like, I'm not happy with the Biden administration. I like the way things are going. But you know, Warnock, he doesn't embarrass me. He seems relatable to me. I mean, Warnock's Warnock's ads continue to be just absolutely first rate. Um, I mean, he really inoculated himself two years ago with all the puppy ads and whatnot. You know, I mean, he is he is a minister. I think he knows public speaking. He knows um, he, he knows rhetoric, he knows oratory. Uh, and he adapted that to TV very readily. He has had an ad out just the other day where he's standing in a giant vat of peanuts and the peanuts are being dumped on his head. And he's talking about how he's got a bipartisan bill with Tommy Tuberville to help peanut farmers. Uh, you know, he's uh, so I, I think Warnock, I mean, you know, Trump, Hillary, you know, there was such a number done Hillary that you could be a little squeamish about Trump and think, well, he may be bad, but look at this alternative over here. Yeah. Uh, well, she's not a good then, candidate. I mean, she's not, Hillary is not likable. I think even I then Trump got fewer votes. It's not like Trump yeah. ran away with it. Yeah. Uh, but I think Warnock but, is, I mean, Warnock may be a lefty and he supports a lot of things that I don't like, but he, he can have a, I actually, I think I would say Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock are both likable. They they both have a charisma about them in a way that I don't think Hillary had. But Warnock Warnock is so much sharper. I mean, Warnock is so much more cogent. Uh, 
I mean, I'm, I'm seeing these Republicans saying, I can't believe John Fetterman, he can't put two sentences together during these softball interviews. I'm like, here's Herschel Walker, who has not had a stroke. He can't really put two sentences together in his interviews. He has, I mean, he has, a, had, quite a, he has had quite a few blows to the head. But, I, mean, I don't know if he has CT or whatever. But well, I, whatever. he may, but, but I, I would say that, uh, that Walker was smart, as you noted, Bill, famously, when he said, I'm not that smart. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. you, don't. I'm just promise the moment in the campaign, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but, but I think I, I think the war Walker juxtaposition does not work well for Walker, uh, and this just makes it all the more difficult for him to find an opening to say you got to get rid of the incumbent. I mean, the only, the only way Warnock loses is if the majority of Georgia voters are so mad at Democrats writ large that they'll vote for the Republican no matter who the Republican is. And it doesn't seem like they're quite there yet. I mean, I mean, it could happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's still close enough that you can't totally discount it. But it seems like there is a middle-of-the-road Georgia voter that isn't a just a knee-jerk partisan about this. And that is, and I mean, you've seen a gap in the Kemp Walker number this whole time, which yeah. suggests there is a swing voter out there. And you're right, Bill. I do think that there's a chance in Pennsylvania and in Georgia that we'll see something we don't see as much anymore, which is, um, you know, people who vote for a Republican governor and a Democrat for senator. Um, well, Pennsylvania might go the other way. Yeah. But my point is that used to happen all the time where you would have people who would, you know, vote ticket splitting, I guess, is the term for it. And it doesn't really happen as much anymore. And I think we may That's see it. And, and and by the way, probably not in huge numbers, but maybe maybe enough to swing the races that you could have divided government in that sense. I mean, we talk about how it doesn't happen as much anymore, and I think that is true. That's probably you know, quantifiably true. But you know, Susan Collins won with ticket splitters. John Tester won with ticket splitters. Uh, we have several. Uh, we've had several Republican governors in New England for a long time. They, they, those folks ticket split. Uh, there is a way to build a personal brand at home that transcends party labels so you can win ticket splitters. It's not that we've not become a nation there of just uh, autonomous knee-jerk partisans. Uh, maybe there's more of them, uh, but it's not everybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, Warlock is looking like, I mean, and I think, I mean, what's happening right now, I mean, there, there's a potential for more ticket splitting Primarily because Republicans have nominated a bunch of lunatics uh, and Democrats have generally nominated people. You know, maybe they'll come short in some places, but, you know, Tim Ryan, Cheryl Beasley, yeah. uh, like John Federer may be having a tough time right now. But if he hadn't had a stroke, you know, he'd be, he'd be totally walking away with this. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting to me. Again, it used to be that, that the weirdos were on the left, generally speaking. And we were kind of Republicans were boring, straight laced college Republican nerds, you know, wonky. That was a stereotype. And I think it was true during a certain era. Um, and, and now the Republicans are the weirdos. I mean, look, I agree philosophically, like, like in terms, you know, with Republicans more clearly than the Democrats. But who are the people who are more like me that I think are normal? They seem to be normal, like well-adjusted human beings. Like, 
I think Democrats, by and large, the the the, the people that they nominate and their leaders seem like more normal people, less weird. I mean, like Pete Buttigieg, for example, I'm not a big fan of his, but he seems like a normal, nice guy. Temperamentally, personality wise, he seems like a very perfectly great, nice guy. And some of the Republicans, you know, do not. I mean, that's, I mean, they've definitely missed opportunities or made raises that should be you know, slam dunks competitive because they've nominated weird people. Uh, and uh, we'll see. I mean, Michigan, you know, Michigan should be a very tightly contested state. Gretchen Whitmore is just lapping Tudor Dixon in the governor's okay, so race. So I, let me jump in there. Um, I've not followed this race closely, but as far as I could tell, it seems like Tudor Dixon is getting a raw deal. It seems like, uh, Whitmer is clearly outspending her, but that Tudor Dixon was not a crazy candidate. Is a Tudor Dixon is a conservative who was fairly mainstream, and uh, that she said something. I believe she said something about abortion that that is being really weaponized against her. But Am I wrong about that, Bill? That's been my yeah, point. I think she's a diehard anti-abortion candidate who says that the 2020 election was stolen. I mean, she is. Uh, is she's she in the election? Is she, is she an election denier? Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. That part I did not did not know about. I wonder. Um, maybe here, here's um. I'm sorry. Here here is uh, uh, MLive.com. That's one of the Michigan news sites. Uh, behind Tudor Dixon's shifting stance on election conspiracy theories. Uh, Tudixon has oscillated between certainty and ignorance on issues still looms large in American politics. Does she believe the 2020 election was stolen from Trump? At two gubernatorial debates in May and June, Dixon agreed with several of her primary opponents that widespread election fraud changed the outcome of the of, changed the outcome of the election in Michigan. Um, uh, how many in, in June 30th? How many of you believe the election fraud was widespread enough that Trump should have been elected, but Biden got in? The moderator asked, three hands shot up. Dixon hesitated for a moment, looked either side and briefly raised her own arm halfway. Well, it sounds Um, to me, I mean, it sounds to me like we are now in a situation where in order to win the Republican nomination, you have to at least give a nod to that bullshit theory. And I'm not saying that that excuses Tudor Dixon, but I think my interpretation of what you just read is that this is not someone who is actually a passionate supporter of the big lie, but it's someone who had to kind of grudgingly humiliate herself in order to just survive politically. But I don't think she, mm-hmm. even the most charitable interpretation of her, she is not, I think, a mainstream conservative really tailor-made for Michigan. You know, she's more of a movement conservative. Yeah. Uh, like, and there's I, a swing it state. It sounds to me like if I were running in Michigan, what Whitmer's doing to Tudor Dixon, she would be doing to Matt Lewis. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's my interpretation. I could be but wrong. You are, but you're, maybe, you're maybe, never maybe, Trumper, so it's harder. I mean, maybe she might Tudor get Dixon's abortion. insane. I, I don't know. But it just my my sense without being an expert has been that that she kind of got a raw deal on this. Well, whatever it is, she's losing very badly. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a close race there. Now you look at Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes, um, which I wrote about in more detail, the Washington Monthly this week. This is this is the race where Democrats 
you could say argue this point, did not nominate their best possibility. Barnes is lo- Barnes has lost the most ground of any Democratic Senate candidate. He's the only candidate who had a solid lead in August and is trailing now. There's no other candidate you can say it about on the Democratic Senate field. He was up by four in August and he's down by two now. Uh, and after a barrage of ads attacking him on on his criminal justice views. Uh, and you certainly can argue that race plays a role here, um, but it's also tied into you know things that he said and positions that he held, uh, and I think some uh, cherry picking and twisting of parole statistics, which I think are unfair but hard to explain. Um, uh, so a, so you, have a, you have a confluence of events there. Alongside that, you know, Ron Johnson, I mean. He's really out there. He said a lot of crazy stuff, but he is really good in his ads at sounding not crazy, even like leaning into certain crazy positions and, you know, layering on some common sense language. Like, hey, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, when he won the first time in 2010 against Russ Feingold and he was calling Social Security a Ponzi scheme. Democrats have done a great job hammering Republicans for being anti-Social Security. Ron Johnson does an ad where he's like, you're going to see ads saying I called Social Security a Ponzi scheme. You know what? I did, because it is. They had the money and, 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 they, and they lost it. You know, So it doesn't quite sound like he wants to privatize it. It sounds like these nutnuts in Washington screwed it up. You know? So he's really good at making himself sound like the truth teller. The other guy being the lying radical. It's, it's, I mean, fan, it's, it's, it's really. I, I don't. Projected. I don't want to sound like Ron Johnson because I don't like him. But like, Social Security may be a Ponzi scheme, definitionally. Don't you think? I don't. <laughs> I mean, well, let's not let's not go into it. But whatever the case may be, if I, if I this is a guy. This is a guy who apparently. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. Um, tried to put a fake elector in touch with Mike Pence, tried to facilitate well, yeah, that a, introduction. A great example here. Okay. So this is, I mean, this is Ron Johnson's story, which he just repeated yesterday. I mean, it's not the first time he said it, but he repeated it yesterday. Mind you, at the same time where he said that it wasn't an armed insurrection. Yeah. Uh, because the, there were no, no arms confiscated. Maybe maybe they were creative with a flagpole, but there were no no arms that yeah. were confiscated. And would he accept, would he accept unarmed insurrection? <laughs> I mean, I actually, I mean, what tennis speaking, you don't need to have literal firearms for it to be armed. Like a flagpole makes it armed. But once yeah. there were firearms there. I mean, we've we've, we've arrested seen that on site. They found the firearms. They saw them on the video. And they yeah. got arrested. We've seen what box later. cutters can do, Bill. How about some bear spray? You know what I mean? Right. Come on. Exactly. Um, so he's very, very, but but he does this kind of like plain spoken guy in a bar stool tone, which can be very disarming. Uh, and so in the same Rotary Club uh, event, uh, he says, hey, you know, President's lawyer asked me, can you deliver this to Mike Pence? I gave it to a staffer to handle. Uh, we were told by the vice president's office that we're not going to take it. That was that. It was like a few seconds of my time. Eh, you know, I, I didn't even know it was about an alternative set of electors. 
Now, remind you, this was on January 6th. This is on the day of the of the certification. Uh, there's already the, the stop. The st- I, don't, I don't know what time of day this was, but the stop the steal rally was in the morning, if I recall. Uh, the president's asking a middleman to deliver something to the vice president. Like, why can't you like walk down the hall and do this yourself, guy? Why are you why are you telling me to deliver? It? Are you, are you not telling me what it is. Like, my first question isn't what am I delivering? What are you putting in my hands? Uh, on the day of the certification, when you're whining about stone collection, what could this possibly be? So the, the story like makes no sense upon a minimum of scrutiny. But the way he says it, it sounds very matter of fact and common sense. Yeah. Uh, so it takes some work. I mean, I think you have to bet. I think you have to bet on him. I mean, if I were betting, if I had to bet, I think you have to bet on him. He won last time in 2016 when he was. Left for dead, uh, politically. I, I don't. I, I think until until he until someone proves us wrong, I have well, to. Wait, I mean, I mean, he was behind in the polls in 2016. He's ahead of the polls now. So yeah, you gotta give him the edge at this point. Uh, now, I I inter- by, the, by the way, I've, I probably told this story before, but I interviewed him right after he won on stage at a conservative event, and he was instead of being happy that he won, he was very pissed off and bitter. He refused to look at me. I interviewed him on stage. He would not make eye contact with me. He would not look at me. I would ask him a question and then he would talk to the audience. And he was very, he had a big chip on his shoulder the whole time and very angry. He felt like he had been, you know, he's proven everybody wrong. And this, I would have been happy that I won if I were him. Right. But he was very mean spirited. And I think that's who he is. But But he's good at not showing that. In ads, I think the audience probably liked him too. <laughs> yeah, right. but, they but he, he does but... not seem mean spirited in his ads. He sounds like a regular guy. Uh, now, if I'm Mandela Barnes, this is what I would do. You have this 2010 Social Security ad um, that you could show. You could re- you play a clip of it where he claims like the money is gone. This was 12 years ago. Social Security's still here, guy. Um, you you were claiming. It was gone, so you could take a sledgehammer to it, and you're talking about undercutting the budget of Social Security today by making it discretionary up to uh, you know annual spending. Now, of course, everything I just said there, I can't jam into a 30 second ad. You know, so it, it would take some work you know, to distill what you want to say. Uh, but I think you got to put something out there that undercuts his credibility. Because yeah. right now, he's the truth teller telling you that Mandela Barnes is a liar. And you got to take something that I think has some. He runs this play every six years. He pretends that he's a good old boy. And then. Well, every six years, he says he's not going to run again. This guy promised to be a one term senator and yet is still clinging to power. You know, so I I think you have openings to undercut his credibility on, but like, because Barnes needs to turn the tables now. Like, he's not in, he does not have the upper hand. Barnes is hitting him on abortion making a big deal out of abortion, which I wrote a piece this week at The Beast where I argue, now, <laughs> of course, the timing was great for me with Herschel, the Herschel Walker news coming out. Thanks, Beast. No. Um, but I had a, I wrote a piece where I said, look, you know, Democrats are doubling down on abortion. They have decided to make abortion the 
topic for them. It's where they're spending the money and everything and their ads. And maybe it makes sense in, in, in certain races, but but across the board, I question it because it doesn't show up as one of the top issues that voters well, say they but, care it, about. but it's up there in like two or three. I mean, look, crime is a lot lower than abortion. It depends where it depends the survey you're looking at, but but I, 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 I the thing about crime and you, and you see this in the Barnes race, the fact that crime is low down the list in most polls is a bit of a misnomer, because if you got enough material to work with, which in the ca- case of Barnes you do, I'm not saying that all the, the attacks are fair, but you there's material to work with. You are communicating that he has a value set, which is antithetical to you, middle of the road common sense voter. So like where it ranks in issue priority is less relevant. You're actually, if he if he is someone who wants to, you know, defund the police and wants to parole child rapists, like who cares if it's number six on my current issue list? Those are offensive positions to me. So I will not vote for that person. That's that's the catch you're trying to make. And so I think abortion very well can work that way in a lot of races. And so it's not wrong for bars or others to use it. But you probably don't want it to be like the entirety of your campaign. Well, this is, at least as of this week, this was the, uh, my understanding is the first direct negative TV ad campaign that Barnes is launching is based on the issue of abortion. And Democrats are spending more money in the House talking about abortion than any other topic or any other issue. And it just strikes me, I feel like the issue is is waning in terms of of its, you know, punch, the punch that well, it's I, going to have. I I would have been sympathetic to that view pre-Walker. I mean, we have not had through most of September, you know, we haven't had fresh stories, fresh examples of this person denied an abortion, this child hadn't across state lines. You know, other other. I mean, you know, DeSantis comes with the Martha's Vineyard stunt. Hurricane, uh, the hurricane comes into Florida. Um, Biden says the thing about the deceased congresswoman. Like other things have been coming in the mix that, and with with no fresh abortion material to work with. To be blunt about it, uh, now you have a fresh abortion story with Herschel Walker. Sort where you of have a fresh opportunity to talk about hypocrisy on the Republican side. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're a pro-choice person, the Herschel Walker story is a hypocrisy story, right? It's not about someone, a, a, a raped child not having access. It's about Republicans being hypocrites. Not helpful. Well, but, 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 you, but you, can, you can write that story writ large, uh, that these are people that want to take away your rights and don't want to hold themselves up to the same standards. I mean, these, these, are, these are morally bankrupt people. And and they're I mean, all you and I know that that is, they want to control the Senate for their for their ends. I mean, you and I know that that is indicative of a <laughs> of a broader problem in the Republican Party today. But I don't know if it's transferable. I don't know if Herschel Walker's situation is transferable to Ron Johnson, unless Ron Johnson paid for an abortion. Well, I, well think I, I, I think Wisconsin is a different situation because Barnes is behind, and Barnes's own credibility is under attack successfully. Uh, so I think just like hanging on to abortion 
is going to be insufficient for him probably. He needs to undercut Johnson's credibility first. So the Johnson attacks on him don't have the same punch. Uh, you, I think you want abortion to be in the mix there. Of yeah. Uh, but you, it, it can't just simply be Johnson said some crazy things or Johnson had some crazy positions. I think you got to have Ron Johnson's a liar. He's been lying to you for years. Yeah. And he's not serving you as a senator. Uh because he wants to do these crazy things. As, Bill, as is always the case, they should be watching this video. Because <laughs> the advice you give them is probably better than the campaign that they're running. <laughs> now, there's one other place where I think abortion has more salience. Potentially, that's Arizona, because they just had a recent judicial ruling that, that uh, puts into effect like the 19th century abortion ban. Uh, so... That gives you know, you know Kelly is probably going to be masters regardless, but the close race is Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake, uh, and that gives Hobbs you know more to work with there. Uh, but that but that, that has not become a national story. But I do think that is an Arizona story. All right, Bill. Well, we're coming up on uh, uh, the fifty-three minute mark, so probably a good time to uh, call it a day. Anything you want to plug? Uh, I, I that piece up on Barnes at uh, the Washington Monthly you should check out. Um, beyond that, uh, I don't think that I do. All right. Um, check out my piece on Herschel Walker at the Daily Beast. Check out Matt Lewis and the News, the podcast. Uh, don't oh, we had our we had our podcast Zoom with Mike Murphy that people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. We did. I thought that went really well. I I I'd, I'd, uh, I'd uh, bail halfway through, so I apologize. I couldn't stay to the end, but I imagine. It was just as sparkling as when I was there. Yeah, and you can listen to it. I put it up on the Matt Lewis in the News podcast feed. But we did a, uh, a Zoom call with Bill Share and I and uh, some of our Patreon supporters. And they got to ask, they asked some great questions after you jumped off. And I would recommend listening to it. And you should join if you're listening out there or watching us. Support our work, patreon.com slash Matt Lewis or patreon.com slash Bill Share, and you'll be invited on these calls. Bill, I want to do one, uh, a Halloween Zoom call where we get in costume. It'll be right before the election, obviously. We don't probably don't even need a special guest, maybe. We could just talk with the patrons and do, maybe we do our predictions. Let's, we'll go down the list of our Senate races. Do we save that for the Zoom call or do we do that for the DMZ? Anyway, we'll, We'll have a good conversation. So okay. help us out and uh, we'll see you in the Zoom. And we'll see you back in the DMZ next week. <laughs> good to talk to you, Matt. Take care. All right, buddy.